Um, good to be with you. My name is Naomi, and um, I'm really excited to share um, from the Bible with you today. Um, today we're carrying on from kind of from where we left off on Easter Sunday, which I think is kind of the rhythm of our lives as Christians. Easter Sunday is our starting point every year, our resetting point um, every year. And yes, we have peaks and troughs throughout um, the whole year, but there's something about the celebration of Easter that reminds us of um, what it's all about and where it all stemmed from, and both the simplicity and the wonder that our faith is built on. And so instead of diving into some kind of new study or train of thought, we wanted to kind of carry on the journey that we had already started at the beginning of Lent when we walked with Jesus towards the cross. Um, and we want to walk onwards with him after the resurrection towards his ascension and towards Pentecost at the beginning of June. So in the next few weeks, we're going to spend some time looking at some different encounters that Jesus had with his friends after his resurrection and considering what that could mean for us to kind of see and, and remind ourselves what's waiting for us whenever we encounter the risen Christ. And today... Our first encounter is uh, literally just right after where we left off. We're, we're meeting Mary at the tomb, the very first person to meet Jesus after he had risen. And so we're going to dive straight in to read from the Bible together. This is from John uh, chapter 20. We're going to start at verse 11. So if you have a Bible or you might have that on your phone, get that out and look that up or it should be on the screen behind me as well. So this is John 20 starting at verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and another at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Let me pray. So Jesus, we uh, desire to be ready this morning to encounter you. And we believe that through the reading of the word and the opening of it to us, that you are active amongst us. But we know that we have a part to play in that. And so will you help us by your spirit to be open, to be ready, to be ready to listen, to be ready to receive, to be ready to be challenged, to be ready to be moved by you. Amen.
The women at the tomb um, are recorded in all four Gospels. Um, you kind of, they come in different groups, so for some of them we read that there's a few women. Here we just hear about Mary, um, but it's only in John's account that we get this particular level of detail about her and, um, the, and the encounter that she had with Jesus. And it's a really interesting encounter because it's so quiet. It's really personal. It's not this like big show, and yet it is utterly transformative. And so as, as we read these accounts of how Jesus interacts with people recorded in the gospel, we have the opportunity to consider how would he interact with us? How would he interact with me? If these people were able to have a transformative encounter with Jesus, can I have the same? What would that look like for me? So let's walk through this passage together and just see what we can discover. When Mary arrived at the tomb, she was not in any way full of hope. She was not full of faith. She was not full of boldness. She was scared, full of fear, going very early in order probably to avoid as many people as she could, on edge likely, and most importantly, completely grief-stricken because her friend, who she loved, and who she thought was gonna change everything, had died. This was not a happy morning at all. She was here simply to honor the body of one she knew and, and loved by caring for Jesus in his death and anointing him with spices to begin the embalming process, which was the job of women then. She was doing what she could but likely her heart and her mind would have been in a thousand different places. And that was only compounded whenever she arrived and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb and that Jesus' body had gone, presumed, taken. But just directly before this passage that we read today, we see that when she arrived and saw this, she ran back to the disciples. She ran back to get Peter and John to tell them, come and see, not out of joy, but out of terror. He's gone. Jesus' body has been taken. They arrived, they went in, they saw, they assumed the same as her, and they fled. And that is where we meet Mary today, weeping in disbelief at the empty tomb. Her first encounter is with two angels, no big deal. We don't hear about them, interestingly, in the verses just before when Mary arrived and when Peter and John were there and they went right into the tomb. So why didn't they see them? Whatever the reason is, we don't know, Mary sees them now. Through her tears, she sees, though she doesn't know it first glimpse of the miracle that has taken place. But she still doesn't fully understand it, and so her cry to these angels is simply, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. I wonder um, if through our tears, maybe you're not a crier like me, so maybe it's through worry or fear I wonder, does God place in our way glimpses of the miracles and the transformations that he is working? And if he does, 
Is there a way for us to see that more clearly? Is it courage that's needed to look for them? Or is it determination or desperation? Maybe we don't see it until after the fact, but what if we were to look closely today, to ask God for those glimpses of transformation, for the first shoots of hope? Because Mary is at an empty tomb having a conversation with two angels. What began as a sad and somber morning is at least not that anymore. Something is afoot. She is seeing the glimpses of something happening. So even when we can't see the full picture, which let's face it, most of the time we can't, is there a way for us to be looking for glimpses of what God is doing? To believe, if we can, that he is doing something. Then Mary turns around and she sees someone who she presumes to be the gardener, which honestly is a pretty fair assumption because I guess they're in a garden and like no one else would be there that early in the morning and maybe Jesus was gardening. I mean, technically it's a new creation and he's the creator, so it's maybe not that ridiculous, who knows. But often we laugh at those details and we kind of think like, oh, how could she not recognize him if she was friends with him? Surely she would have known him. It's kind of like those old operas or plays where they disguise someone as another character and it's clear to literally everybody that they've just like put a wig on them or put a cloak on them. They look exactly the same. How could she not recognize him? Well... And distress, I think, does funny things to us. I am not at all surprised that Mary didn't immediately recognize Jesus. Why? Because she didn't know she was meant to be looking for him. She didn't know she was meant to be looking for the risen Jesus. And maybe the same could be true for us, couldn't it? It's easy to forget to look for Jesus when the things of life are crowding around us. And on so many occasions, I think we do not immediately recognize his presence with us. And yet the truth that we believe and the truth that is presented to us here is that in every circumstance, he is very present with us. Maybe not in bodily form like he was with Mary, but through the Spirit, and no less real, we can know the close presence of Jesus. But it can be easy to forget to look for him. So maybe you need that reminder today as we journey with Mary here that you realize you have forgotten to look for Jesus. You have forgotten to see where he might be, that your faith has felt small in believing that he might be with you. Mary's recognition of Jesus comes very simply and it seems often in the Gospels that recognitions of Jesus come simply. They come through his voice, they come through the breaking of bread, they come through the giving of thanks. Here it's as he says her name that realization dawns on her and suddenly the light comes in 
Up until this point, there had very much been only sorrow and loss. But here is the moment that we have been waiting on. The moment where she realizes who it is that is standing in front of her. Now, it is unlikely that she, under, she doesn't understand the full magnitude of what Jesus being risen from the dead means. But even in that lack of understanding, it doesn't seem to matter. She still gets to be the one who sees the first light of resurrection, the first dawning of a new world. And it's not shouted from the rooftops just yet. That'll come in a few weeks. It's not through a crash from the sky. It's through the uttering of a name to a friend in a garden. It's through being known. And isn't that part of what Jesus died for too? Remember when we read just a couple of weeks ago about the curtain being torn in two from top to bottom, literally and symbolically representing that we could now know God and that he knows us. And jump ahead even in this passage to when Jesus speaks to Mary. He uses words he hasn't used often before. Tom Wright, the theologian, speaks about this. Jesus says, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. If there is one thing that is being pressed here, it is that being known is a hallmark of the new creation. That is what we are welcomed into. In the first Easter of lockdown in 2020, a friend of mine arranged a dawn Zoom for some women that she knew, but that was back in the day whenever like, we liked Zoom and also we were trapped in our houses, so I had nothing better to do. And so I joined in with a group of bleary-eyed, pajama-clad women in the small hours of the morning. Some of them I knew and some of them I didn't. And as women together, we read this account and it was incredibly moving. And one woman sh there shared something and prayed something which has stayed with me since. I, I, didn't, I don't know, no idea who she was. But she said of Mary, as she arrived at the tomb that morning, that the very last thing she expected in that encounter was, or thought even possible, was that she could go away joyful. She did not expect to go away joyful. And yet, she did. And that has stuck with me as I've read this passage, and it's stuck with me across my own life, representing the hope that we can hold on to because of Jesus. How many situations do we encounter or experience, and the very last thing that we expect is to leave with joy? Places where joy seems entirely impossible. Yet with Jesus, that is not always the case. That is the light that Easter sheds on our circumstances. That joy is possible. It is a joy that we hold on to resolutely. You might have to hold very tightly to it, but it is possible. Mary is the very first person to experience the new creation. 
the new dawn of a new age where mourning is exchanged for gladness and that is exactly what she gets in the garden she did not expect to go away joyful and yet she did and where did she go this is the good bit Mary is often titled as being the apostle to the apostles or the first apostle which is a pretty grand title and commentators and apologists will often say something like if you wanted to make up a convincing story at this time you sure wouldn't make your first witness a woman which culturally sure I can agree with but in every other way Maybe there's another way for us to speak because it is no secret that women have been uh, silenced and subject to not being believed for generations right up to the present day and often when they do speak they're branded as being a nuisance just look at your newsfeed this week thankfully many women do not let that fly and thankfully that's not the case in every church or every sphere but it still exists we can see here and from the way it's talked about that even today the threads of that somehow still remain among us it is true of this situation and it pains me that then a woman's word was deemed unreliable however whose opinion matters here jesus says to her go to my brothers, tell them, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with her news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. There's no warning from Jesus here of, or a caution of they might not believe you, be prepared for backlash, for the trouble this might get you into, you'll have to say it like this, which is all potentially true. But he doesn't say any of that because he knows what he has both charged and permissioned her to do and so he just gives her the most important message ever delivered to humankind and he tells her to go perhaps at times and in situations maybe we feel like the least likely ones the very unexpected messengers or maybe we feel like the ones not believed or not allowed whose opinion matters is there room for jesus to resurrect hope and permission for us or perhaps we sit in a fairly privileged position, whether in our church or in work or our neighborhood. And what does that look like for us here at Central? Maybe for a lot of us, get ready, maybe I'm gonna trigger you, but it's being middle class, you know? Fairly well off, able to assume a particular lifestyle. Maybe it's our relationship status. Maybe it's our gender that opens doors for us. Maybe we've just never really had to deal with the barriers that race or affluence or sexuality can put up. Now, that is not meant to guilt trip you about things that you cannot help because I fall into several of those categories myself. It's what we do with that. Perhaps we get to be the ones who believe. 
and who listen to the unexpected messengers, who make space for those who are least likely to flourish, who permission. And to do it like Mary, who teaches us a really quite incredible lesson in humility here. Elaine, Elaine Storkey writes about this in her book, Women in a Patriarchal World, which I know sounds wildly feminist, and I will be honest with you, that is the reason I bought it. But then I read it, and it is, I also really respect her as a theologian, that's another uh, part of it, but it's a brilliant and incredibly gentle and deeply honoring book. And I just want to read you a little section from it because she speaks about Mary here, and honestly, I couldn't put it better than this. Mary teaches us something very significant in this respect. It is the importance of humility. Mary came to the tomb not to prove anything, but simply to offer Jesus her final humble act of love, the anointing of his body. Instead, she found the presence of angels and a risen savior. She was convinced by a single word, her own name, and went out in faith and love to share her experiences with the other believers. Her motivation was not to defend what she believed, but just to honor Jesus. Each step she took was not about herself, but about Jesus. Her response to the other apostles was not to assert her superiority in being the first to see Jesus alive, but to share with them the risen Christ. Mary is not simply the apostle to the apostles, but an apostle to us also. Mary's example reminds us that we are inevitably at risk of getting things wrong, because as humans we are never free from the effects of sin and error. Yet. Humility in the body of Christ enables us to discern the Spirit's leading. Listening to one another and praying together in the body of Christ guards against false claims and focuses us more on Jesus because Christ is as alive today as he was when Mary met him outside the tomb and supposed him to be the gardener. And God's love in Christ will always be in evidence when those who believe on his name worship him in humility and love. It turns out that as much as the story is about Mary, it's really more about Jesus, which is exactly what we should always expect. And we get that understanding largely because of Mary's response. She's the one here who chooses to make it about Jesus rather than about herself. But as we move onwards together in the light of the resurrection once again this year, perhaps our greatest call is to move with humility and to make it all about Jesus. We learn through this resurrection encounter about a risen Jesus who is able to show us the first fruits of the little miracles he is working in our own muddled lives. We learn about a Jesus who is with us, even when we don't recognize him or forget to look. We learn about a risen Jesus who knows 
our name. We learn about a risen Jesus who resurrects joy in us when we least expected it. And we learn about a risen Jesus who permissions the silenced and the hushed and whose opinion is truly the only one that really matters. Let me pray for us. Jesus, let us humbly come to you. And by your Spirit, will you strip away from each of us the things that get in the way. Will you humble us before you? That is a, a bold prayer. But will you humble us before you? And may we move like Mary, making it all about you, choosing to point people to you, choosing to make you known, choosing to give you the glory and the honor. That is our desire. So come Holy Spirit and move among us now.